that there's a point to the story, but I'm going to tell it again. Welcome to the 39th episode of The Gentleman's Breakfast. I'm joined here by my dear friend Seamus, as always. Seamus, how are you? I'm well. It's great to be back. It's good to see your face, and a trim face at that. A little trimmer. There's some foul play possibly at work here, but we'll get into that down the line. Hmm. How's the last month been without me? Uh, it's been a lot of QT with the, the GF. Yeah. A lot of QT. I was like, there's been a lot of action. I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, I've been traversing uh, this fair nation, as I often do, for both business and pleasure, mm. shockingly. Employment is kind of starting to draw to a soft close here, but I was on the road for a month. I was in rural Pennsylvania, New York, Vegas, Dallas, Florida. My body doesn't really know what time it is or what climate it is at this point. Have we been over this? Do you believe in the time zone bullshit? Uh, it, it, sometimes it affects me and sometimes it doesn't. It's, it's all like how you're set up coming in, right? But there's definitely times where, yeah, you're flying back. You're flying out east, and you're supposed to be going to bed, and you know you're up and you're wired, and you don't feel great the next day. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was most intrigued by my time in rural Pennsylvania, where it's not a place that I've spent a ton of time in mm-hmm. my life, right? It's a, it's a, one of the three legs of the tri-state area that I've probably been in the least. It's a pretty place, um, but there's just fucking nothing out there. And the other thing that can be frustrating is after a long day's work, the only way that you're popping back a couple of stiff cocks is if you're drinking and driving. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a staple <laughs> yeah. to Northeast. So you got to be careful on the roads because you can tell everyone just sloshed, you know, going from side to side Keep out between there. the mayonnaise and the mustard, brother. And you overhear some interesting things when you're out at these sketchy bars there. And uh, one day I was sitting there, you know, trying to get a sandwich and a beer, smoking a cigarette, which you're allowed to do in bars there. <laughs> And uh, I hear these two, uh, you know, middle-aged women just yakking back and forth about their lives. 95% of it is almost completely unlistenable, but there are a couple of nuggets in there. And one of them is this woman talking about her son. And she's like, yeah, you know, I said to the teacher, I says, it's not like he's the only one that's pulling down a little girl's pants. <laughs> he can't possibly be, right? It's got to be boys running around uh, doing that all over the place, right? Yeah. And in this modern era of a reckoning of sexual harassment, I got to feel like it's probably a good time to give a hard check to your six-year-old if he's running around pants and girls. It's funny you mentioned pulling down the pants. Yeah. So I was on the East Coast for the holidays, so now with my siblings, and so to give you a little context, they have three boys. Stop it with the context bullshit. How often do you say context? What am I, context monkey for you now? You want me to dance? There's three boys between the ages of three, five, and We don't seven. all need a ton of context. Just jump to the content. <laughs> and the one boy is pulling down the pants of the three-year-old, which is my brother's kid. And my the sister's my sister's kid is pulling down my brother's kid's pants. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they, they, you know, they leave him alone. And it's like, what? He's like, he's yanking down on his pants. And it's like that awkward, like, you know, you're not telling him how to parent, but like, is, does he normally yank pants down? Like, what, what's the deal? Yeah, that's just his thing. It'd be great if they were, like, in line by age, and the oldest one pulled down the middle one's pants, and the middle one's like, I gotta get revenge, but I can't do it on him because he's bigger than me, so he's gotta go little kid pants. I saw the big brother do it, so this is cool, right? We just pants each other. Yeah. Um, the next nugget that I heard out of this uh, unlikely pair was, well, you know, they... Uh, 
they kept his suit because he had the nicer suit, so they buried him in Gary's suit, right? <laughs> so they're just whoa, swiping his suit off some other family member to bury who knows. Um, the, but just the matter-of-fact way that they handled that, that's the kind of thing that you only hear out of country folk. Uh, and uh, I enjoyed that a great deal. But as you're sitting here listening to this stuff, you know, it hits you in waves, and you just think to yourself, one day you're on top of the yogurt empire, and the next day I'm sitting here watching a highlight reel of myself playing Mario Kart against the computer while I'm on a Southwest flight from Florida to Baltimore, right? You were watching your highlight reel of your video game I on, caught the, my, on the airplane? I caught myself doing it. I was playing my Nintendo Switch, and then at the end of the race, it just automatically kicks into highlight reel, and usually I skip right over that, but I had a pretty good race. So I caught myself just kind of sitting there watching it for a little bit. I was like, ooh, yeah, when I got that red shell, that was when it was on. Do you think you would have been embarrassed if the guy next to you been like, Hey, are you watching the highlight reels of your video game there? Well, it's funny you should say that because this actually wasn't on that Southwest flight. It was on a separate flight where I got upgraded to first class. So I'm sitting in first, just clicking away on my Switch, and I'm sitting next to this fucking grade-A douchebag who's wearing this giant super nice watch and just playing the part while he's scrolling through on his phone looking at more nice watches. Like, that's what he needs to do. And then his wife calls, and, you know, he just terrorizes her. Um... And uh, I, I did not like that guy. So, yeah, I was more than comfortable watching my Switch highlight reel. I thought we were going to make it through an episode without the airplanes. Back in action, baby! Uh, give you one. Listen, do you see how it's spiking here on the audio? Yeah, on the screen. I understand Yeah, because I'm the producer now. People aren't going to like that when they listen to it on headphones, so let's try not to do that. But I haven't just been bouncing around doing these temporary jobs. I did apply for a full-time job. And okay. they made me do a background check, okay? So, and you have the right, when you get a background check done on you, you can, like, check a box and get a copy of the background check. So I'm like, oh, I'm interested to see what this thing says, right? <laughs> and they basically go through every address that you've been in, and they, you know, call or email the court or whatever, and they ask for any open records. They're trying to make sure you don't have any warrants outstanding or whatever. And then there's a section of the background check when you get it, and it's sex offender registry. Mm. And they're checking to see if you're in the National Sex Offender Registry or not. And next to where it says, not in Sex Offender Registry, there's like an asterisk. (laughs) Near you? What the the fuck is that? So I scrolled to the bottom, and there's just some footnote that says like, you know, we've checked to to our ability to verify this or whatever. There's some disclaimer. But I think in the way that they present that, let's not put the asterisk right next to the part where it says I'm not in the sex offender registry. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to exactly have, uh, you know, some some checks on that. And I, I concluded my trip. You mentioned the weight loss. I am down a bit. And part of that was because I contracted an illness that I thought only existed in the third world or in the 19th century. Uh, which is... I... A lot of our listeners don't appreciate gross-out humor, so I'm going to talk about this entire thing in euphemisms. But we're going to say the faucet was open considerably while I was back home for Thanksgiving. I'm not exactly sure what prompted it, but I was having to run back to the kitchen. Was it just a constant drip? 
again, too graphic. Let's just say I was having to run back to the kitchen to make some gravy about once every 15 minutes for four days. Oof. Couldn't keep anything down. Like, I've never experienced this in my life. I, it fin- I finally realized why that was a cause of death in the 19th century, right? Like, I've had that once when I was on a ship. it open. I was on a ship one time, and it just at any point. I mean, I've had a couple of bad incidents, sure, but I've never had four or five days straight where it's just, even when you're in bed, right? It's not enjoyable. Yeah, you're asleep. you got to get up every 15 you're minutes. You're paranoid. Constantly, every 15 minutes. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, i got to get on a plane at the end of this weekend. I'm not sure that I could be on a flight. Like, I don't know that I can handle the takeoff <laughs> and stay in my seat the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty good for the waistline, i got to tell you. So, if you're... Flush some things out. Yeah. If you're looking to trim going into the holidays, maybe eat some... Yeah, questions. you're the only guy that loses weight over Thanksgiving. Put some questionable stuff in the tank and see what happens. Uh, so And that brings us up to today. Sitting in front of the mic. What do you got for us? So I've, been, I've moved in in the last week, week and a half. That's right. You guys are sharing a habitat. Sharing the habitat with the, uh, the girlfriend, now the roommate, uh... Surprisingly, went pretty well. She what what went pretty well? You guys have just moved in. This is kind of a long term. The actual moving process. You don't get like a win or loss on the scorecard right away. It's a it's more of an endurance. Sport. No, but you know how like you prepare for things. You're like prepare for how little somebody's gonna pack or be ready for the move. Yeah, I'm terrible about that. Yes, if it, I was moving in with you, I'd be very frustrated. Unless, and this is the worst part. It makes me feel like a piece of shit. If I am fully responsible for my own move, like I'm the only one that's going to be there to do it, then I am super buttoned up because I have to take care of it myself. But if someone else is going to help me, I'm a fucking piece of shit and there's stuff everywhere. I mean, I would disagree. I saw you move out of our last apartment and you left half of your possessions and you started eight hours before you had to leave. Well, I don't count leaving stuff. Sometimes you just abandon things. I mean, you abandon a good amount of stuff. Yeah. There's not a law, there's not a law against that in the state of California, abandoning things. So... I was flying to the East Coast. I was going to be gone majority of the time right before we were, when we were apartment searching. So right before I, the move? Yes. Yeah, so I said, hey, and we didn't know where we were moving. We could have been squatting at my old place. So I said, hey, you should you know pack up, get some stuff down. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll take care of that. So I go back to her apartment, and she's like, yeah, I've packed all the stuff, organized all the hangers. She's very, pri- very proud of how she organized all the hangers, color-coordinated, you know, funky things. Sounds great. She goes, I, I just got my stuff for the week. I take a peek in that closet. You know how many items of clothes are in the closet? Individual items? Indi- just tops and bottoms. Number of hangers, you're saying? With clothes on them. A hundred. About 60. <laughs> that's, that's a steep collection. And she's working from home. So I was like, maybe we can reduce that down a little bit more. Did you, did you try to bring a waste bin out and be like, let's cut I, a couple I, of things back? I said to her, I'm like, there's at least 45 items in there. She's like, no way. I've cut it down. I went, obviously. Oh, she had already taken a pass. She this, she had already reduced stuff. it. And I, and I was like, and I, I counted, I got to 45 and even count the pants. It's like, all right, well, there's that there. And, you know, the biggest pet peeve I have with moving is bed frames. Why is that? Who, do you like bed frames? No, I've never needed one. Like, I always have just like the metal one that you can set up in two seconds. Right. You, you know, know who, you, you know who likes bed. bed frames? People that don't assemble bed frames. People that don't have to move them. Don't have to fucking move them. 
And that, well, you you put a bed frame on your place back at the uh, metal ones, the quick, the, the break me down ones, the really quick ones. You had a headboard, didn't you? Yeah, but that one broke. Remember? Oh, forty-five yeah, that's degrees right. support. Listing forty-five degrees support. Who could forget one of the greatest moments in gentlemen's <laughs> breakfast history? But yeah, so breaking down her bed frame. Those IKEA things are not meant to be broken down. You just got to rip them apart. Yeah, I've gone. I've gone at a dresser or two with a Swiss Army knife and just pried it. You just rip it. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the screws are all set where like it locks and it, it's never meant to come apart again. And it's all fucking particle board, so it's not like you're going to move it. So did you just destroy it? I just destroyed it. Was there any discussion about your destruction of that? Well, I had to do it. I had to do it like Thursday morning, really early morning, yeah. while we were still at the new place because yeah. we had a little layover. And I go, I'm breaking this thing down. She's like, what? I'm like, not non-negotiable here. I'm just ripping it apart. See, this is where my strategy of abandoning things can sometimes help. You could have abandoned a couple things in there. No, she needs to get the deposit back. Yeah, it depends on your expectations around deposit. When I left my place in New York, I actually had to pay people. So I paid people to come in and pick up my junk. Uh, and it was like $300 for them to come in. And they picked up like a desk, like a shitty Ikea desk and a dresser and all the stuff that I couldn't sell, right? Mm. That I wasn't going to move. And that, that was a pretty good deal. They took it all the way down the stairs, all that shit. You know, it's a, I highly recommend that to people. You know what's pretty, uh, pretty liberating? Throwing shit away. Throwing things away? It can be, yeah. Like I... I I already had very little amount of stuff. Yeah. I threw away about 40% of my stuff. I've thrown away everything in my life and moved across the country three or four times. Now, throw away is a relative term. You've experienced me just abandoning <laughs> things, obviously, as I just said. Once again, that goes along with, if there's anyone else around, uh, involved around the periphery, I'm a piece of shit in the move. If it's only me having to survive on my own, like when I was in New York, that apartment was fucking spotless when I moved out of there. So... As I'm leaving old twelve twelve, yeah, giving my bon voyage. Were there any pangs? Did it feel sad at all, or you were ready to get the fuck out of there? I was ready to get out of there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that. don't get me wrong. The amount of space I have in there, due to the new place, you have a big apartment, and you had the uh, masters, so you had the bathroom that was in there. But I was ready to get the fuck out of there when I get out of there. I was ready to get out of there, and then I'm cleaning up a few things, and I go downstairs into the garage, and I have. You know the the now the new roommate's car, and I'm pulling out. Do I still have that kayak over there? Yeah, I think so. Awesome. And I gotta come back and get that at some point. <laughs> so as I'm leaving, there's two little, and I'm guessing two little Gary's offspring. No. Running around in the garage. In the garage. And these two mice are just kind of like they're just like little brown ones, though, right? Tiny ones. That's kind of like a big black guy, yeah. And they're kind of dancing around, and like it's out of like a scene out of Ratatouille. Where they're like getting judged on the meal they just made, and they're high fiving each other because they just got like three stars on the Michelin. Yeah, yeah. And these two mice like just look at me and they're just like, Dah. I'm like, that's a good party. They gift. found like some fresh, some fresh delivery that they had just scored. Uh, Do you think they left a review on Uber Eats? I don't think so. You ever leave tips on that? I, Uber I love, Eats. I, so I love when it pops you when you look at it, and it's like. Tip your tip your delivery person, or it does this with with Uber anyway, and then it gives you a button. It doesn't give you no. It says not now. Like I'm gonna come back to it later. Makes me feel a little bit better about it. I pop the not now button. Yeah, sure, I'll come back. Maybe I'll throw the guy a tip. How often do you hear people talk? They're strangers, and you go, "My God, I'm thankful for my friends." Oh, all the time. When I'm talking about 
when I'm overhearing what suit these people bury their family member in based on the relative niceness of people's suit collections, yeah. I'm walking, glad that I'm here in this environment, through the marina district the other day. And this girl's yapping to her friend about some couple purchases she made. And she goes, why is it so cheap? This is Sway. And they go, oh, it's vegan. Sway? It's vegan Sway. So it's, it's you know, it's more. They're trying to say suede? Yeah. She's like, it's They're vegan. dropping the D like that's cool? She's like, but it's vegan. So it's, you know, it's more, you know, effective for the, the environment and stuff. And I was just, How could you have vegan suede? You have to produce a hide. Again. I'm not sure. That's an interesting business, by the way. They use all parts of the fucking cow. So it's directly proportioned to beef production. This might not be great for the listeners. And then I also had, uh, I was making a turkey sandwich for my mom the day after Thanksgiving. She couldn't make her own turkey sandwich? She's not a good sandwich maker. Okay. Did you put any stuffing on there? Yeah. Well, she also enjoys me doing it for her. So you you, you put a little stuffing on there. I got creative. I also threw some. uh, Did you put any cranberry sauce on there? I threw some cranberry sauce. I also threw... Uh, I'm not a cranberry sauce guy. Don't like it. Some... Was it squash? Squash? Mmm. Squash doesn't belong in a sandwich. You'd be surprised. Did you heat it? it cool? Heat it. Toasted it. But I also... My sister, who's a vegetarian, threw some veganaise on there. Veganaise? You ever seen it? No. So I It's go mayonnaise to, with no eggs? Uh-huh. So I go to open it up, and the plastic wrapping around the seal... Said made from solar power. The plastic wrap. Well, that makes you feel good right away. You know, it makes you feel like a better person. Yeah, it's made from the sun because you know, crops aren't made from the sun. Because it's amazing to me that they're GMO. That is actually effective to some people, right? Well, it's it's like when you see gluten free put on shit that obviously doesn't have coconut water. Yeah. Gluten-free coconut water. Get the fuck out. Gluten-free, you know, carrots. (laughs) Gluten-free, whatever. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like there needs to be a public service announcement where someone just says, guys, gluten is bread, okay? Let's all just agree. If it has bread in it, there's gluten in there. If it doesn't have bread in it, gluten-free. Now, if you have a a bread-like product, sometimes people do gluten-free simulations, I'm more than okay with you claiming that that is gluten-free because I need to know about that. Mm. But I don't need to know that my... Pringles are gluten-free, right? Like, there's no... That's compressed potato chip water that's not gonna get me. Uh, I got a one more quote that I thought was pretty good. Fire it at me. So, one of the, the director of a department is interviewing a guy, and he goes, one last question here to wrap this up. Yeah. What can you take from the cricket field and bring to the customer success world at our company? Wait, someone asked you this? He asked the person he was interviewing on the phone. It was like a Google Hangout Skype interview. Because our customer success team is overseas. So the director sits in San Francisco. And he he goes, "I, I know that you're passionate about cricket. And what can you bring from the cricket field Take from the cricket field and bring to the customer success world. Let me tell you what you can take away from that. Because this is like when you go on the spot and you're like, um, let's let's talk about, you know, people. Let's score people like a golf fly, right? It's kind of like that, right? 
So, did you see how that cannot always be an effective way to talk to people? Maybe you took a lesson from, away from that. <laughs> Do you think that statement yeah, is bizarre? Yeah, it's not statement. Absolutely. Fully on board with that. Um, it wouldn't have been my sales approach. I'll, I'll give you that. Listen, we are entering year number two. It's 2017 in the year of our Lord. And this is the second year of the Trump administration officially. And there are... I thought eventually maybe he would slow down and we would settle into some level of normalcy. No. He is firing at just the same rate that he was before, if not more extreme. Some recent bombs that he's dropped on us. In a meeting with Native American World War II veterans, he said... You know, we have a Native American in Congress, they call her Pocahontas, referring to this racial slur that he uses to describe Elizabeth Warren, who has said that she's like 116th Native American or whatever. <laughs> this is in front of Native American World War II veterans, which, by the way, like Native Americans have a long and interesting history of uh military service but like isn't that isn't almost like wor world war one and world war two there's like and vietnam multi-generational families in certain tribes that have all you know served in wars <laughs> that's very impressive and he's sitting with these guys who are living world war two veterans and decides to take a jab at elizabeth warren while he's in that context it, it's like when he was there with all the generals that he invited to the oval office and he's taking a picture with them and their wives and he's like you know, this this could be the calm before the storm. And a journalist is like, uh, what does that mean, Mr. President? Uh, you, you'll see what it means. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I don't want to see what it means. I don't want to know what the storm is. Um, but that troll job has got to be, I mean, to him, he's that's entertaining, right? He just scatter shoots. He, he retweeted some, like, um, clear, oh, clearly anti-Muslim videos oh, from the UK. Bad. And you know what that made me think about? So they describe in the story, they're like, the president was scrolling through social media and he didn't make any con co uh, comments on it. He just hit the retweet button, right? Because it's like a one button deal. How much of our lives and the global structure, world order, if you will, is impacted by whatever algorithm serves up Donald Trump's news feed, right? That's a great question. Do you think about this if you're at Twitter? Like, our, Oh, they're all over this. Our news feed algorithm is determining what he sees when he scrolls, scrolls through social media. Maybe they should edit that, and they should make it just all liberal shit. They could do that, I'm sure. The Donald Trump account now only I, sees I, liberal shit. I think that they've already been on, on this. Do you don't think so? Well, clearly he got served up some kind of, like, white nationalist... UK anti-Muslim video that he retweeted, so that's still in his newsfeed, so it's still serving him up conservative stuff in his little echo chamber there, which isn't helping. This is a shout-out to some Twitter engineers to edit that. Yeah. Did I mean, you see that some, like... But you also have to, like, serve it to him what, what he wants to see, right? He's, he's... Well, you gotta mix it in, just like fake news. Like, you mix it in uh, on Facebook, right? You know, you have some real stuff and some face, fake stuff or whatever, but... Uh, uh, did you see that some like disgruntled Twitter engineer uh, turned off his uh, Twitter account for like two hours? I saw that. They said it was glitch. <coughs> my <f> <coughs> my favorite is like with all these uh, sexual harassment 
coming out about uh, all these prominent people in yeah. show business. There needs to be a name for this era. The Reckoning. It's. I mean, it's going to be fast and furious. We're going to be so immune to it. And not even, I mean, I'm nearly... We already are, that. and it already has been fast and furious. But, I mean, it's, it's eye-opening, right? We got fucking Charlie Rose... We got Matt Lauer, Garrison yeah, Keillor, Weinstein, Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Garrison Keillor. Yeah, that one shocked me too. A Prairie Home Companion. Yeah, uh, he gets dumped. Uh, the guy that runs the Flash um, TV show. Uh, you had just shit ton of people. But like the Charlie Rose is kind of like it's kind of disheartening because he was good at his job and the fact that he's a sweet old man but he's creepy as fuck if you read about the creepiest of them all is fucking Matt Lauer he is a fucking creep ball did you read the story what, so that one's recent so there hasn't been as much detail as there was on the Charlie Rose thing yet yeah he did sound creepy as fuck like some woman passed down his office he could like lock his office door and he all could lock shit. his office door without being he was, he was making 20 million dollars a year and they estimate that the Today Show makes 500 million dollars a year from advertising so, they were, but they, even like they pulled up those old videos of like Katie Carey, hey, what's your most annoying thing about you know working with Matt Lauer like five years ago? Yeah, pinches my ass all the time. She said that like on like some e. I show. didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't follow it closely. And enough. Katie Carey, who's fucking powerful as shit. Yeah, absolutely. Like knew that this was going on. So you know what I was thinking about recently was I was like, why does this continue to hit in media? And you don't hear about this really in like um, from NFL players or anything. Now, granted, okay, you know, professional athletes have their own whole problem with women, which mostly involves wife beating and such. But you, it's not often that you hear like these kind of chronic uh, sexual misconduct things. You know, like uh, let's say like an NFL player attacking a woman who's in the uh the football organization or something like that i was thinking about it it's, all these media people are just like little old ugly men in suits right right who, none of them are like i mean Matt lauer's a decent looking guy but outside of the rest of them are not well like, then he then he got bald and now he looks kind of weirder bald but um it's just these little angry men that like think that they're powerful and think that but that, even his admission of guilt like you hear his his uh Savannah Guthrie read his like apology on on the Today Show the next day. Um, even like his, I, I so I, I haven't watched the video. Even yet. his first statement is like um, you know deeply sad and blah blah. blah throws a bunch of bullshit. They always say, instead I, of like completely yeah. admitting guilt, he goes. Although some of this I remembered things differently or yeah, is not true. It's like just fucking own up to you, yeah. cocksucker. If if sixty percent of it is true, <laughs> you're still a piece of shit. <laughs> Like, do you think that you're forty percent less a piece of shit because maybe like one or two things? But still, in his mind, like that, like I'm like, don't even feed me this bullshit. It doesn't matter. Like, I I don't know. This I think that this period has, and this is what it probably should do, but it has every man rethinking every interaction they've ever had with women, and yeah, I think everyone has questionable shit that they've done, that they're rethinking and trying to adjust their approach to so i don't know hopefully we learn something from it and move on but time will tell should we go to the report card i guess we should go to the report card uh you got a scale for us i'm a little tapped out over here (laughs) (laughs) little 
It's been a big day. Uh, do I have a scale? Let's do prominent sports reporters. That's not something that I'm great at, but give me a give me a spectrum, give me a range to work with. So any ESPN anchor, any Fox News anchor. I only remember the names of the ones that I like, and the ones that I hate, I have trouble remembering. But fire away. I can remember Keith Olbermann, Stephen A. Smith, Colin Coward. I knew two of the three that you just named. Bob Lee. I hate Colin Coward, by the way. Chris Burns. I think he's a fucking blowhard. He states the obvious so much. Uh, you can drop some knowledge on me here with my rating? I think you're kind of a Keith Olbermann. Yeah, I could see that. He's kind of a piece of shit. Very knowledgeable, intelligent person. Kind of surprised that nothing's come out about him. Me. That, it, but he's been on the high horse so many times that you would be shocked that he he is so high on that horse. If he fell, it would be the end of him. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but he's so high on his horse, and he's just got a great level of pompous to him. Yeah, that yeah, he's arrogant as fuck. But you still listen to him. Yeah, you're like, I'm still gonna gain a perspective out of him. He does, like, political shows and stuff, too. He's an interesting uh He started sports, now he does more political shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's who you are. Like, very, like, ugh, this guy again, but you don't change the channel. So, you can even go into the, war- the realm of news anchors if you want to. Oh, I could go all the way over to news anchors. You know, the Sean Hannity's of the world, the Bill Mars. Listen. I had one, and then I lost it. So I'm going to circle back around while I'm talking here. Sure. And I'm going to rate you a Tucker, Carl- Tucker Carlson, okay? That English guy? No, he's not English. He wears a bow tie. You've probably only seen a picture of him. You assumed he was English. He wears a bow tie. I was confusing him with Pierre Morgan. Goofy fucking... Yeah, that's fair. Pierre Morgan with a bow tie and a worse haircut. (laughs) The guy is jackass. (laughs) And he thinks that he knows fucking everything. And he talks like he knows fucking everything. As a lot of these news personalities are wont to do. Very rare that you see humility out of him. I like to think in his off-camera life, that's when he's like, yeah, I kind of fucked that one up, right? Which you've gotten better about doing. And I don't really know where I was going with that, but that's what I'm going to give you. I just like picturing you in a bow tie, really. And a bad haircut. Yeah. And I guess that wraps it up for the 39th episode. Till next time. Thank you, guys.